Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, a woman who is completely after my own heart. We are blessed to be with Dr. Mara Harvey today. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Harvey. Thank you for inviting me. It's delightful to be here. So, Mara, tell us what what is your passion in life? What gets you all excited? And, of course, tell us about your books. What gets me up in the morning is really the idea that we've still got so far to go in fighting for gender equality and for female economic empowerment. So that's something that I've been working on professionally for quite a few years and trying to see how we can engage more women in all things financial. And it's exactly that journey that has led me to what is my true passion today, which is bringing those conversations about money and equality two little girls, because all of the research I stumbled across pointed in the direction of these biases around money, around math, around things that keep girls at a distance from uh, topics that boys engage in more easily, Mm -hmm. really start at a very early age. So I decided I wanted to tackle that problem. Well, it's very much a problem that needs, needs to be tackled not just on the financial side, but the political front, the business front, like all of them. And yeah, we need to start very, very early, not just teaching the girls to stand up for themselves, but for boys to support them and fight for more fairness because they get it. Absolutely, yes. So we really need all the boys as engaged as we need all of the girls. And um, I've been trying to um, do this in a way that would be engaging and fun, making a very serious topic simply accessible in an easy way. So the best thing I could come up with was, could we do it all in rhymes? Because I used to love reading rhymed books to my kids when they were younger. And those were the only books, actually, that as a working mom, I would actually take time to read again and again and again because I thought they were so cute. So I gave myself the challenge to basically put financial education all into rhymes and see whether we could make that work. Could I actually get a little kid to say, I want to read that again? And Mm -hmm. it's a story about money. So um, 
that was uh, that was really the challenge and that's something that I've become extremely passionate about because I've also had the privilege of working with a wonderful illustrator who just brings to life all of my crazy ideas with beautiful little brush strokes and in watercolors and uh, seeing all of this come come to life like a little world all around the characters is just so much fun actually Oh, yes. The, your books are absolutely gorgeous, and they're so much fun. I was going through and, and reading them, and you, you, you're basically the uh, Dr. Seuss of financial books. <laughs> well, if the kids would remember me like that one day, I think I'd have something to be super, super proud of. Well, I think you already do have something to be super, super proud of. So what is, what is your family situation, Mara? So I have two lovely, lovely kids. My son is already 22 and my little lady is 14. And uh, their names are Timothy and Tyler. Huh? And uh, Tyler has been super, super helpful and also a big inspiration for all the journey around these books. She challenged me very early on mm -hmm. because I was also writing about uh, equal pay for little girls and mm. little boys. And she looks at me and she says, Mom, the story is super cute, but I don't get the point. Why would a little girl earn a penny less than the boy? <laughs> and so I explained to her, look, um, you think that equal pay is only a problem for my generation. Nope. But you don't realize that actually it's probably going to take another seven generations or so until it's really solved. Um, and then when she understood that, she was all all motivated and very much supportive and reviewed every single book I wrote multiple times. Poor thing. I think they're coming out of her ears by now. <laughs> She's got the lesson ingrained. That's what she has. The lesson's ingrained. My son was spared the agony because he's already at university <laughs> abroad in northern Germany, so he wasn't victim of all of the reviews of every single edition of the book. <laughs> well, the the thing is, like with with the with the pay gap and stuff like that, it's becoming even more and more pronounced right now because of COVID and with kids being out of school and everybody being home and stuff. The child rearing is mostly. Not all, because some men are definitely stepping up, but it's mostly falling on the women. So they're, we're falling even further behind because you, even if, if you're privileged like, like I am and can work from home and run my own business and stuff, if you've got young kids, even if both yes. parents are home, they're always going to mom. Mom's making a go. So her pay and her career and her business is the one that's taking the biggest hit. Yeah, that that is a trend that we've seen over these past few months, sadly. Um, it has been very difficult for families overall to juggle the situation, but it seems to be true that it's very often the mums that try to cover the backs of their partners during a part of the day so they can mm -hmm. work freely and take care of the kids so they're not making too much noise. Yep. You know, not everybody has the privilege of having a huge, huge house and garden to get the kids outdoors and yep. get them out of the way. So just keeping them entertained is a huge challenge. And then and then they start doing their part of work. Right. And yep. uh, so your day all of a sudden has got really 18 hours and not just the usual 10 or 12. Yep. Which is bad enough as, you know, as normal days go that you're just rushing around trying to cope with everything. So, yes, that is a that is a huge challenge. I would say on a positive note. We're definitely seeing many dads step up and we are also seeing just dads have much more awareness for what it means to juggle both 
family and career. And I think that's a good thing. It really is helping to shift the conversation to make it more inclusive of all of the men as well. Yes. Oh, oh, you have my complete agreement on that. Um, just looking back to how things were when I was a kid and mom did all of it. And the only time you ever heard about dad is if you were in trouble and you just wait for your father to get home. Now, like my, my <laughs> husband and my generation stuff, the, the men are much more involved. Like, I don't think my dad had three kids. I don't think he ever changed a diaper. My husband changed diapers and all of this stuff and was definitely much more, but it still very much fell to me to look after things and the organization and, and all of this. So in some ways, yes, the, the dads are getting a much better taste of what it actually takes to raise children full time because they're home too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important that all the boys grow up learning that they have to do their fair share. With my son, for example, I was absolutely adamant. He went to boarding school as of the age of 11. Mm -hmm. And when he would come home with a huge bag full of dirty clothes, I would just tell him, look, before you even come and hug mummy, just go down to the cellar, put on a washing machine quickly and then come back up and then we can sit and have a lovely friendly chat. But don't just dump that bag in the entrance with the expectation of I'm home, mummy's going to do it all for me. And uh, those are those little habits that uh, we just need to instill in uh, our kids the same way we need to instill a sense of financial empowerment to them. This, you know, optimize your time, but optimize your time equally. It's not just the boys get to have, you know, more free time because the girls are doing all the unpaid chores. We, we need to kill that cycle. Well, uh, both boys and girls need to learn about all those lovely unpaid unpaid chores because you need to take care of yourself. And one of the things that, that I'm finding is people, kids are going off to university and they don't know how to boil a kettle or make toast even because mom, typically mom, but the parents looked after everything. And then these kids go out into the real world. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to do laundry. So it's either not, well, they have to eat. So they're ending up spending so much money on eating out and the convenience food because they never learned the basic skills of taking care of themselves. And that's expensive. <laughs> it is. It is definitely expensive. And uh, I totally agree with you. Sometimes we're still so keen on making sure that our kids just have it all nicely prepared and nicely done. And we want to take care of them and we want to, you know, make it all cozy and comfy for them. But at the same time, we're just not giving them certain skill sets that they need later on in life. I mean, if a kid by the age of 10 has never put on a washing machine with their own dirty clothes, well, probably by the age of 15, they won't be very keen to do it either. Yeah, they, they Kids need to have chores. They need to help out around the house, not just because they're part of the house, but to learn that they are capable of taking care of things because can you I didn't have to worry about it because I always had chores going up and, and moving out of my parents house onto my own was wasn't even a surprise because I'd already been doing anything but can you imagine being 18 years old and now you're going off and you and you have to be looking after everything and you've never done any of it or been shown how to do it can you imagine how terrifying that would be <laughs> yeah, exactly that would be a little bit of you know high dose of anxiety and beyond that the fact that we get our kids to do chores at home is good for them, good for us, but it's especially good for their ability to practice financial education. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by that? 
Um, there's a debate, you know, whether should kids be paid to do chores in the household or should it just be part of contributing to family life? I believe that certain chores should be made paid chores simply because it gives kids an opportunity to practice earning money, mm -hmm. to practice negotiating how much is a chore worth, to practice learning that if I do it well, I'll get paid. If I do it sloppily, I'm not mm -hmm. going to get paid well or not get paid at all. And these skills are just so important in a world where our kids are likely to live beyond the age of 100. And I just sit here thinking, how the heck are they going to afford that? Yep. Because the social security system isn't going to help them out. Retirement ages might, you know, go up a little bit because health conditions improve overall in the population as all of these advancements in the medicine world are made. But overall, if these kids haven't learned what saving means and what, mm -hmm. you know, how much on every dollar do you need to save if you're going to be retired for 30 years of your life? Yep. I think that's a harsh lesson that should be learned as early as possible. Well, the, the earlier they learn it, the less harsh it is. Exactly. And just having money as part of part of the regular ongoing conversation. I love how you how you say like certain chores. Yes, they need to learn how to earn earn money and that, yes, if I do the job well, I get paid. And if I don't do a good job, I don't get paid. Well, that works for when they're when they're looking for an actual job. It's especially important when they're wanting to run their own business. If you don't do good work and you don't do good work quickly, you aren't going to survive. Exactly. Exactly. And the world is competitive out there. Let's not have any illusions. And it's becoming even harder when you look at the current uh, economic context with these kind of massive shocks to the system, how unemployment rates just shoot up and how this then puts so many families in a precarious situation. And so many countries are now running surveys on financial literacy rates because they're realizing that too many people are not even equipped to deal with three months of crisis yep. because they have never had to figure out what does it mean if, for example, my salary falls away or parts of the income are no longer there or uh, there is just a shock to the economic system that we are not prepared for in ways that nobody could have expected. But if a family doesn't have at least a three to six months reserve to live on, you know that the situation is extremely precarious. And many people can't even afford to build that buffer in life because it's not out of bad will or bad intentions or negligence. But this is why also for younger children to really, really understand the power of earning your living means a heck of a lot of hard work. No, we are not all the Facebook founders of this world and are yep. all going to be billionaires just within a few years because we are, you know, absolute geniuses in our field. That might happen, but that is the rare exception. Mm -hmm. And for kids to grow up also thinking that, oh, I can become an Instagram influencer and make <laughs> tons thinking, of money yeah. by basically doing nothing. I'm not saying they're doing nothing all day. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's a concept of real hard work and it takes a long time to earn money that kids just need to learn. Yep. You can't wait until they're grown up for them to get their first paycheck to start learning that lesson. Yeah, exactly. Because if the ones that end up that way end up getting themselves in a whole lot of hurt. Yes. And that, and that's, and that's without having like all the extra fun that we're dealing with, like with COVID and people aren't able to go to work because the world shut down and the I different know. things that go along with it. Like 
we need to be building up the financial literacy and the business literacy and all of this much, much sooner. They, it blows my mind how money is a more taboo subject than sex. It is. Isn't that funny? In today's world, you'd really think that we don't have a problem talking about this. But there's a wonderful lady that I know in Germany who wrote a book in German exactly on that topic as to why is money such a taboo topic? And we've got so many ways of talking about money, but we dance around it and we try to avoid the really hard questions. And we also think that it's rude to talk to kids about money. Or Well, it's rude to talk to anybody about money. It's not just rude to talk to kids. It's rude to talk to anybody. It's There's more shame, guilt, fear um, around money than any other subject. We have made it so, so dirty and taboo that... We don't talk to anybody about it, and then we're just kind of bumping around like the ball in the pinball machine, just dealing with whatever comes at us, rather than being yes. able to to consciously plan and make intelligent, informed decisions. Because we've never been given the tools, and we're not we're not supposed to be talking about it. Like you can learn about it on your own and get some books or whatever, but you're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. No, that's that's totally true. And if I if I think about the gender lens on all of that, for girls it's even worse than for boys because we just don't encourage girls to talk about money and to negotiate. So it's a small wonder that girls have a pay gap, even with equal qualifications. They've mm-hmm. never learned to stand up for what they're worth. So why can't we use all of these opportunities at home to create daily moments where a child has a chance to say I would like to contribute something I'd like to do this chore Mm -hmm. and how much would it be worth to you if I were to do that for you it's such an easy conversation to have but it's such an important skill set that the child is learning they're learning to be proactive they're learning to offer a service they're learning that it needs to be done in the right quality they're learning that different services have different values Mm -hmm. so for example if you if you have a little girl and a little boy and let's assume you know stereotypes of the past apply the little girl might be helping mummy in the kitchen with washing the dishes and the little boy might be outdoors helping daddy wash the car mm-hmm. well guess which of those two chores would get paid and which wouldn't mm-hmm. washing the car usually has a value that people are willing to pay some pennies for whereas you know washing the dishes isn't really a paid chore so why would you expect to get paid and these are the kind of things that we just need to break those old patterns and be much more conscious about what are we steering the girls towards and are we steering them towards those same paid chores that the boys seem to be better at self-selecting themselves into yeah or or another way is making getting rid of girls chores and boys chores boys should be washing dishes and girls should be washing cars and girls should be washing dishes and, yeah. and boys like they need to be exactly. doing the same stuff i i remember one time i was watching a movie with my with my with my family when i was when i was younger and it was a, it was a western movie and this guy was was trying to save his farm but he needed to have his daughters who had moved away um to come back to claim cuz to claim certain parts of it, but he couldn't find his daughters. But he found these uh, these three other young women that wanted, and so they have to get up and they have to work the farm and do all of this stuff. And my mom pointed out to me, says, you notice the women get up first and they make the breakfast and stuff for all the men, and then they go out, and now all of them go out and work in the fields, 
and they're working just as hard. They're not putting their feet up, and then they come back, and the men are relaxing and smoking their pipes on the on the porch, while the mm-hmm. women are in the kitchen making dinner, and then they're cleaning it all up. And my mom pointed out to me, she said, you notice how much more work the women ended up having to do just because they were women. Absolutely. And I think there are lots of statistics of the World Bank that confirm that. Uh, men spend more time at work, but women spend more time working. Mm-hmm. And that is statistically proven all around the globe. We definitely need to keep keep fighting the good fight and getting people talking about it and bringing up these conversations and letting girls know that, yes, they're worth and teaching them the negotiation skills that they need. Exactly. And especially to know their work has a value. It's really up to them to stand up for that value and to learn to talk about it, to learn to negotiate it. And somebody once said that to be an expert in anything, it takes 10,000 hours. So I kind of took the liberty to calculate what that would mean once. And I, I came to a figure, which is if you were to practice, I think, uh, an hour or two a day for roughly 13 years, you would become an expert in something. So that's how much training needs to go into it. So I thought, good, if girls start at the age of five negotiating a chore every single day of their lives, by the time they hit the labor market at 18, they're going to be absolute pros in negotiating their salary. So that's my wish for all the little girls out there and all the little boys too, um, that they can really embrace money conversations much earlier, that we make it integral part of our daily life in a fun way. Fun not in a making fun of it or making Mm -hmm. it become something that isn't serious, but just fun enough that it's engaging and that it isn't something that, you know, the kids will shy away from because it's just a boring conversation to hear again and again. Oh, it's never boring. We just make it boring by trying to be so serious about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be on the podcast. It was a wonderful pleasure. It was absolutely my pleasure, Tammy. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I hope that your followers and listeners will enjoy this conversation today. Oh, I know they will. Thank you very much. Thank you. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at financial.fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfun.ca.